0: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctor. and we are the Inglorious experts And we would like to invite you to an exclusive screening of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, with the Inglorious experts that's us, live, hosted by Paramount Pictures. Join us on See Alive on Saturday, April 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time using your Google browser. Come to See Alive, that's C-Y-A, See Alive. Live. Dot live and join us for what is sure to be a fun-filled few hours of commentary, laughs, and discussion of the greatest Star Trek film of all time, because at the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance.
1: And we're changing the conditions of the
0: test. That's right. That's right. We're taking the Kobayashi Maru test together, and we're finding out what it's like to be buried alive in the center of a dead planet. This
2: has the virtue of never having been tried.
0: We'll be there. Will you join us at See Alive, April 25th at 5 p.m. PST for an exclusive and exciting screening of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of the only gentleman secret agent with a license to kill and thrill, you should pick up my new James Bond oral history, Nobody Does It Better, available now in hardcover, audio. And digital wherever books are sold. Do you expect me to read? No, I expect you to buy it. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. If you've been enjoying listening to us, imagine how entertaining we'll be when you are watching us. Now you can watch the 430 movie with... Steve Melching. Darren Doctorman, Ashley Miller. And me, Mark A. Altman, every day on Electric Now. How do you get Electric Now? You download... Distro TV, Stir TV, Zumo TV, and soon the Electric Now app. And You just have you to pick one. You don't have to have all of them. You don't them. have to have all of them, but it helps. And <laughs> you can watch us on the Electric Now channel. Don't miss us as we bring you the 430 movie in your house in person. Need to make a call? look for a police call box. That's where you'll find Two on Who, the new Doctor Who podcast from Electric Surge. Two on Who is available wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: And welcome back to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we explore interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. I am your co-host, Josh Miller, and with me, as always, is Mr. Stephen Scar-la-ta.
3: <laughs> How are you doing
2: today, I'm Josh? I'm doing pretty
3: good. How about you?
2: Fantastic. Uh, and we are back Part two of our Unmade James Bond. Uh, we left off on a great robot shark cliffhanger last time, and we are again joined by our guests, who I'm going to have again introduce themselves so you can familiarize, familiarize yourselves with their names and voices. Uh,
1: Fred Decker, I'm a writer director,
4: Henry McComas, filmmaker, and I'm Mark A. Altman, um, author of the new book
2: Nobody Does It Better. And buy it, you buy, it <laughs> yeah. buy
0: it, yeah, Okay, thanks for having me. All See right. you guys. <laughs> you can, they hopefully
2: already listened to the first episode and know. How could they not? Have they it know It's going to be very confusing yeah, yeah. if they're just joining us now. But we left <laughs> off. La- left off last time when. Uh, Largo in the James Bond of the Secret Service, Blofeld in Warhead, again, for those who don't remember, these two scripts are almost identical in every single way, all the way down to the blocking and dialogue, except for the main difference that our villain is Largo in James Bond on the Secret Service, and his henchman's name is Bomba. and in Warhead, it is Blofeld, and his henchman's name is Genghis, and they otherwise do all the exact same things. People got paid to write this, by the way. (laughs) Sean Connery got paid to write this. Mattel's James Bond. And he doesn't work cheap. Um, but yes, so robot sharks at, the, at this moment in the script, we don't quite know why. Then we go into the classic scene from both Thunderball and Never Say Never Again of the big Spectre meeting, which, of course, very Austin Powersy in just that Austin well, Powers reference. think that's quite but, fair
0: because you know that scene in Thunderball mm-hmm. is so great. It's perfect. I mean, I still argue the best uh, Blofeld of all time mm-hmm. was Anthony Dawson with Eric Pullman's uh, voice. Agreed. Just sitting there behind the curtain stroking. stroking he it, it was Thanos, you know, before you saw Thanos. <laughs> it was just really mm-hmm. like, who the, what is this is? This guy, you know, so, he won't even let people see him. You know, is he deformed or is he just like, it's for secrecy or what? And, and you know, that great scene where he's asking everybody to report red China narcotics and mm-hmm. you know, and and then he calls him out on the fact that he's been, and like, who who's the one stealing, embezzling money from Spectre. got to be an idiot, right? And then he killed... Like, at the time, it was really cool. Now, I know after Austin Powers, it, you know, it's a big joke, but, like, that scene is so good. Well, oh, I the
2: Austin Powers is it so exactly <laughs> that I feel like if you've seen Austin Powers first, it just hurts it because you're like, oh, this is like a direct lift when he sends Will Ferrell down into the, you know... Yeah. And I've seen <laughs> a TV commercial I recently did that Burns.
1: did that, too. But two great things in that scene. One is the, is the set... That's inc- incredible oh. Ken Adams set of Spectre uh, uh, conference room. And the other thing that's wonderful is when, when the guy gets fried in his chair and the chair goes down, it cuts to Largo. Just sort of, he glances, but he's more interested in the paperwork and, yeah, and the yeah. clipboard in front of him. <laughs> While two guys next to the empty chair are wiping their mm-hmm. brow and sweating. They missed and... it by that much.
2: Yeah. Um, but uh, in Thunderball, and I think in Never Say It Ever Again, Blofeld's master plan is to um, get two warheads, nuclear warheads, and hold the world hostage for... Ransom, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a good plan. Uh, in this, his plan <laughs> is that he wants them to stop polluting the ocean. Which yeah. I think is actually it's kind very, of cool. Yes, it's uh, woke for now. Yeah. Right? A <laughs> 2020 bomb It's very, very forward
1: thinking. And I've always loved the idea of a villain. I did this in my Johnny Quest script. Of the villain actually doing, trying to do something good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and by the way, if people have not listened to our Johnny Quest episode with Fred, they should. Because yes. it is an excellent script.
0: But, you know, it sort of defeats the point if you detonate two nuclear missiles, if you're trying to stop pollution. You know, I just that's the only
4: problem with the plan there. Um, If I might poke a hole and blow folks. He wants to make a water planet (laughs) and control the ocean. Everyone can have the land. He just wants the water. At least with
0: Stromberg, he wanted to live undersea. So if he polluted the
4: whole world by
0: a nuclear war, it's fine because, you know, you know, sort of Gilman wanted to live below the sea. So I get that. But if you're, if you're going to try and, like, make the Earth it better, you know, blowing up two nuclear <laughs> missiles is really not the way to go. Uh, well, and I guess Waterworld would be the sequel then.
2: Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And so they're planning <laughs> to get The warheads are they cause a Russian sub with some mm-hmm. nuclear missiles on board to sink. Uh, and they are eventually going to go down to get it. One of the only scenes that's in James Bond of the Secret Service that's not in Warhead that I would have missed um, is there's a great gross scene. A lot of this has to do with them having built these like deep sea suits that mm-hmm. people can be in. And there's a great gross scene where Largo abandons one of his own guys who's like down trying to get to the sub in this suit Um And the guy dies, and it is described as we see the last moments of the struggling diver as his suit collapses and his body is forced into the titanium-strengthened helmet like toothpaste being squeezed from its tube. That same scene is (laughs) in Fear Eyes Only. Totally. (laughs) You know, the exact same. I mean,
0: you're reading this, it's like half the plot is Spy Love Me, Mm -hmm. and then then this is in Fear Eyes Only, and it's, it's interesting. It does make you wonder who read this script. When did McClory die? Uh, it was, what, 10 years ago? I'll tell you in a second. Because we'll talk about um,
3: after
1: this. He was, was still uh, trying to do the He overhead in the yeah, 80s. He came yeah. I mean, yeah, he I was have doing a bunch the of deal those. with
0: Sony, and he claimed well. that he was going to do a whole franchise just based on Spectre, <laughs> and then the second he died, his estate, like, settled, like, the next day with sure. Sony. they were waiting for the phone call. I mean, with, with MGM,
4: yeah. I was wondering how many of these pages were from before Thunderball ever released, from the original script that was supposed to be the first film, because the idea of... Mm. Uh, a uh, ship that swallows a submarine or so forth happens, and you only live twice in the very beginning when a rocket swallows another rocket. Well, there
1: there, there are those who would maintain that The Spy You Love Me is a remake of You Only Live Twice, and Moonraker is a remake of The Spy Who Love Me. And that is not untrue.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, it, it wasn't intended, right. but they virtually are the same plot. They, are, they just changed the
4: mechanics. Because in this script, they're Japanese. going around and stealing yeah. submarines and boats and stuff. so...
2: Um, and as we noted in the last episode, but uh, at this point in the script, we're on page 32, and James Bond has only had one scene in which he's sexually <laughs> harassing his nurse. I mean, that's why I feel like James Bond, you <laughs> always begin with the end of one of his other missions. It's like in a horror movie, you kill somebody in your opening scene that buys you a certain number of pages before something needs to happen but just again. just remember they it's couldn't so... follow the <laughs>
0: format of the Eon movies, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, they're intentionally avoiding... Because at this point, You know, one of the reasons Never Say Never Again gets made and that Warner Brothers is willing to actually distribute it is because Jack Whittingham, Jack Whittingham, no, Jack Schwartzman comes on board, who's basically a lawyer, you know, he's, you know, able to untangle it, but also insists that the script be, you know, hew very closely to Thunderball and that, you know, so they can get E&O, so they can get insured, so it can get Mm -hmm. made. You know, the further away they are from Thunderball, the more risky it is, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, you know, a reason that Never Say Never Again basically becomes in many ways, you know, a pretty, you know, not shot for shot, but much more close to Thunderball than
1: Undersea Cities and laser sharks and things. It may be also why they, why they hit on uh, uh, having Blofeld in so much of the piece because they own him. Yeah. Yeah. And Blofeld, for a while, for those of you at home, Blofeld was not to be seen in the, uh, in the Eon production. Well, so and Maybaum had put Blofeld in Spy Love Me. And because of what was happening with McClory and mm-hmm. Warhead, and mm-hmm. the,
0: they they pulled him out and they changed his name to Stromberg. And it's virtually mm-hmm. the same
1: character, but it's, you and know, except f- he has webbed hands. And in For Your Eyes Only, they had to do sort of a, a puppet Blofeld without naming right, him. Right. They never named him. But clearly he you know, will buy you a
0: delicatessen
1: way and too steel much steel. way too much <laughs> blowfeld and warhead <laughs> way too much well, <laughs> well he think... talks for twenty pages at one point yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of him, but I think
3: McClory also he can only do the thunderball plot also because yeah. of all the. Legal stuff, right? right. Like he couldn't. I think that's one of the reasons why this these didn't didn't get made is because he strayed way too far away. Because I I I I saw one interview where he kept reaching out to Jack Winningham's daughter Mm. to see if she had anything else, any other ideas, while he was writing Mm. Thunderball, so he can use in these later scripts because he was tired of just being, you know, tied constrained by Thunderball, yeah, Yeah. pretty
0: much. Well, then he would, you know, there was after Never Say Never Again, he was trying to do another one which technically would have really. to be a remake of Thunderbolt. <laughs> <You> know, <so laughs> yeah. He would oh, remake yeah. the remake over of
3: again I have all those written. We, we'll, we'll go through those at the, at the ending. Yeah. Um, but so at <laughs> this
2: point, we're finally back to Bond. Uh, we meet Felix, who shows up with the uh, CIA. And Bernie get Casey. A, and they get a message <laughs> from Blofeld about you know nefarious stuff. Um, uh, here's another example of the kind of subpar one liners and innuendos is that we see uh, Fatima Blush is like in her bikini bending over, and Bond says, You know, that's Dr. Blush. You should see her stethoscope. Which again, it's like, oh What God. does that mean? Well, Felix literally says, What? <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, oh my god we
2: get into all this stuff that gonna, the writer of sonic the hedgehog yeah, says come style. on <laughs> um sonic is full of so many sexual innu- innuendos um, god, that's so bad <laughs> they're gonna
1: replace <laughs> Helliger
2: with uh giuseppe patachi uh who they've given plastic surgery um here's i'll, I'll just stick up for this one quip i liked which is where bond and fatima are in a hot tub whirlpool uh you know and like they're all
4: jacuzzi kissing,
2: jacuzzi <laughs> smooching and fondling each other and she says i can read you like a book james and he says this must be the braille system you're using i'm like that's good that's a good classic bond line that one i prove it and now this is finally we're like i you know 40 some pages in and we finally get to like the the interesting bonds of it, again, that I would describe as a uh, stupid, but, uh, incredible. Incredible. Um, cause <laughs> where well, you
0: got a call back for people who watched the last episode. Oh, there's a, a quote from your book. Stupid, that but incredible. I, that I Someone called it stupid, but incredible. <laughs> uh, the
2: script and it's so accurate. Yeah. Uh, and this makes no sense to me. So, uh, Giuseppe Patacchi, uh, has replaced Helen year They've killed him. So he's pretending to be him. And Hellinger had had, like, a romantic thing with Fatima, but then when he replaces him, he finds them in the jacuzzi and gets mad. But it's like, but you're pretending <laughs> to be that guy. You're really deep in character. He's a character
4: actor. There you go. So then we cut to a
2: scene <laughs> where oh, God. Bond is parasailing and Patachi, as Hellinger, is driving the boat and tries to kill Bond by flying him over these shark pens at Shark Island. But again, I'm just like, why is this guy mad that Bond was hooking up with the guy he's pretending to be his girlfriend?
4: We're missing the jacuzzi part. (laughs) He turns the jets all the way up and the description says, after almost drowning, drowning. yeah. Uh, oh my god. It. Well, okay. that's <laughs> so trying crazy. to get revenge because <laughs> you have to
0: remember, if you know you are at home who aren't huge, maybe not as huge Bond fans as we are. In Thunderball, there's a very effective scene. Where they, dry, I mean, it sounds on paper awful, but yeah. where um, Count Lippi tries to kill Bond on an exercise machine, but the it's rack. actually re- on the rack. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. actually really <laughs> suspenseful and well shot by It's Fantastic. Young. You could have spinal and injury. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's great. And then Molly Peters comes in at the last second and saves him, which is great. And Bond looks like he's genuinely scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then he he basically deep fries Count Lippi in a, a steam cabinet all great you know and then there's that great scene where, where's the kickstarter where where uh duval <laughs> tries to blackmail um um luciana paluzzi and uh, and count lippi into more get more, more money, money yeah. and he, and he, and he walks out and and he says oh he always puts his cap on the it's like really like mm-hmm. cool and grounded Spice and up. real mm-hmm. and and then there's
4: this. <laughs> well, this is this is a uh, remake of the broom handle going through the steam. Yes. Uh, what what were those things called? I, steam room. Steam room. Yeah. yeah.
0: Although steam I have to say, I Never Say chair, Never Again. Yeah. Box. Whatever the, those. The best line in Never Say Never Again is definitely when um, Bond p- water skis into Fatima Blush for the first time, and she says, oh, I got you all wet. He goes, but my what martini's still dry. <laughs> dry. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason I like
2: Never Say Never Again, not to get off topic, is the epic fight he gets in with the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. uh, oh in the... In the, in, the, um, in, the, the in the spa. In the spa. And he, and is he the throws blush. urine in his eye. It's yeah. a great fake-out, because right. you get this dumb joke where he throws acid in the guy's face, and he, like, falls down. And Bond's kind of surprised the acid worked so well and looks at it and it's labeled, you know, James Bond urine. And at first you're like, wonk, wonk, until the guy falls over and you realize he stumbled back from Get getting piss glass, in his face yeah. and he gets stabbed in the back with all this yeah. glass and that's what killed him.
1: Now, maybe you uh, guys can clarify something for me, because in the, in the novel, I believe, M sends Bond to Shrublands, which is a health club, mm-hmm. because he's
2: full dr- of free radicals,
1: because he drinks too much and he yeah. smokes too much. Right, yes, It's a health club. But well, the spa in the movie Right. Uh it's a spa, but there is there's no sense of why he's going there, except it's part of the mission.
2: In Thunderball mm-hmm. he's there because he's recovering from getting like an injury. Yes. And never say never again it's yeah. the same from the novel okay. where yeah. M's yeah. just yeah. like, you need to settle down, Bond. He's
4: got the big yeah. bruise no. from the opening scene when he gets jousted by the way.
1: Oh, yeah. that's right, with the with the fireplace poker. Yeah. yeah. But in this script he's it's there. it's it's like an oceanographic yeah, they're, like, Center teaching
2: people how to scuba dive. So they're
1: diving
4: there. in the pools behind them as they're walking. So it's a swimming school? Yeah, it's weird. It's
2: a swimming school that's right oh. next to Shark Island. <laughs> <laughs> God, that, <laughs> that seems <laughs> great. Um, anyway, so skipping over some stuff because it doesn't matter, and it's the same as Thunderbolt. They get The bad guys get the now, war you know, hands. what's interesting,
0: though, the thing about Never Say Never Again, where, where they see sent to, to, to the spa? It's kind of like with Mark Hamill. Um, you know where they put him in the back to tank because he'd gotten in a car accident. And they had to show why he looked different. So he's attacked by the Wampa. It's kind of like Sean Connery is like now thirty pounds heavier and has no hair. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah, you know, <laughs> since we last saw him. And you're like, well, we have to send you to lose some weight, get rid of free radicals, and get in shape again at the spa oh, because though, you want to lose no
2: hair. It wasn't until I got the James Bond Blu-ray set and was rewatching, possibly even Thunderball specifically. I didn't realize he had a hairpiece that early. He has a oh, hairpiece yeah. earlier than that. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Goldfinger.
2: Tape. High def. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but Bond, the Thunderbolt one just isn't that good.
2: Bond no. flies back to London. There's stuff of him at MI6. There's a there's almost a good bit. I have so many notes on this script is how I feel you about notes, it. You have notes. Yeah. You're a little late. Yeah. 40 years late, you're but giving notes. But they notice. almost had a great scene because there's a woman who is pretending to be his maid who puts a bomb under his bed, mm-hmm. assuming that where's James Bond going to go? And it's very weird that James Bond, a secret agent, comes home to find a maid he does not recognize in his house. And is just like, oh, new maid. I'm not suspicious of this at all. It isn't even his apartment.
1: Um, I looked this up. Um, it's called a muse house, which is the room. It used to be a horse stable, which which, right? is the, which is the rooming area over a horse stable. Yeah. So I was wondering, this is well, James Well, they've converted Bond, right?
2: all those into, like, hip condos okay. at some point. In the 70s. Uh, but then Fatima comes over. And they jump on the bed and the maid like went. She ended up putting a bomb out in his car mm-hmm. in the garage and is trying to defuse the bomb under the bed when they come on the bed to have sex. And I'm like, that's so almost a good bit. If you imagine this poor maid <laughs> trying to defuse the bomb to <laughs> save both her better, and the hero that we care about. But she's already defused it. And it's just more like it's ha, better ha, and never, ha, say never, never say never yeah. again.
0: There's never say never again you see Sean Connery coming back to his room and uh, and gets into bed with a girl and he's sleeping with her and Fatima blushes at the pool and she presses the button and it blows, blows up, up the but you realize that Bond is in her room and he says i guess we made the right choice and she said well, about what, what? Your room room is a personal <laughs> call from
4: Mr Bean He calls him in the room and he picks up and he says, Mr. Bonder, you're there. But it's not his room. It's her room.
2: (laughs) He just assumes he's banging all the checks (laughs) in the place. She called her in the wrong room. What the fuck? Uh, (laughs) So Fatima and the maid both run out to the garage where they get blown up. Uh, And then, again, very late into the movie, we finally meet Domino, who's an important character from Thunderball and Never Say Never Again and is very inconsequential. In this other that James Bond needs a girl after the previous one dies. But since dies. you didn't
0: ask, my favorite Bond girl. Best Bond girl of all time. And, uh, in my ball. top three. Not yeah, Kim Basinger. Okay, in my top three. No, not Kim <laughs> Basinger. Oh, my God. I really want to know the real story. Apparently, she was miserable. Uh, she was horrible to work with. She mm. had a miserable time on that movie. No, not Even even when I was talking to Barbara Carrera, who acknowledged that she wouldn't tell me much even all these years later. And I tried to get Kim Bassinger for the book to find out what really happened. Mm. I mean, everyone hated Kim Bassinger, and apparently Kim Bassinger hated everybody on that movie. Huh. And I'd love to know. Now, I've heard, you know, oh. she's not the easiest person to work with. I mean, uh, even on LA Confidential and stuff, but um, I would love to know what really happened. <laughs> you know?
2: No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell me. But. Everything. Uh, <laughs> So Fatima, Domino was Fatima's twin sister. So at first it's like, Fatima. And then it's like, no, I'm Domino. Uh, and by the end of that scene, her and Bond have sex, even though they just met. And he's like, your sister's dead. And you're hostage. Now they're his, twins. They're twins. Identical which, twins.
1: Which, you know, in, in, the, in the screenwriting trade, you already have a guy who's got plastic, plastic surgery, surgery to be identical to another guy. That's great. And, then, you, and then his sister has a... I, just, very it's very confusing. very uh, confusing.
2: But now we get into the truly uh, stupid but incredible <laughs> part of the script, <laughs> which is the real plan <laughs> and why there's robot sharks, which they've made these lifelike-looking robot sharks, and they're going to put the warheads inside the robot sharks to swim to wherever they want to put these bombs. Uh, Surprisingly, this is also the plot of No Time to Die. <laughs> <laughs> he's kidding um, Felix and Bond break into Shark Island there's all this stuff there's a scene where they get put in like a pressure chamber and they're gonna get like exploded um, but... which we
1: saw in License to Kill yep.
2: yes it all gets which renewed. is one of the better scenes in License mm-hmm. to Kill Wander um, it <laughs>
0: what should I do with the money? After, it's it's, good. The guy explodes it's all right. over the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and was like,
2: This is a part of the plan I don't 100% understand. So Blofeld's whole thing is he want, he's threatening the world to make us stop polluting the oceans. Mm. And he's basically going to like landlock all of civilization as far as like you can't deep sea oil drill. It's actually a, a, a very nice plan plan for a villain, but... They can
4: have oil uh, drilling, they just can't pollute the pollute,
2: water. Pollute, yeah, so you can't. <laughs> he should have yeah. taken over Willard White's <laughs> uh, oil notes, He also notes that if there's any infractions, they're going to kill the leader of whatever country has the pollution infraction.
4: Yeah, but but then he also president. threats
2: that if people don't comply with his plans, he's going to nuke both polar ice caps and flood the entire world.
4: To make a full But this water is the part plan. I
2: don't understand. Is he's also uh, releasing the robot sharks into the sewers of New York to blow up New York. And maybe I missed something, but I didn't really understand what this had to do with the stopping polluting and the greater threat of nuking the ice caps Bigfoot Bermuda <laughs> Triangle yeah. alligators in yeah. the sewer Well I remember it's <laughs> 1976
0: so New York was sort of the center of the bicentennial and you had the tall ships and you had all this uh, stuff so the uh, fact that it ends at the Statue of Liberty bro- actually makes a, a lo- lot of sense what does it it's say They realized patriotism They
2: realized that Spectre's like not their base but where their temporary base for this plan is inside the Statue of Liberty inside this and no one noticed Uh, And (laughs) so Bond has to go into the sewers to stop this one hammerhead shark. And he fights Judd. And he he fights (laughs) Judds. And and four Um, turtles. (laughs) He does fight Bamba, a.k.a. Genghis, in the sewers. It's a great sequence. Uh, but this is definitely the stuff where I mean, I would have yeah. loved this sequence Me too. if I was a kid. Oh, my God. It's incredible. Stupid but incredible. Again, it's the best
4: way It's beautiful. That should be the it. name of this episode. Uh,
3: <laughs> I mean, man
4: with the Golden Gun is looking like a much better body. <laughs> so, one of my favorites. He
2: defeats the shark, uh, and the only way to get him like out of the sewers, away from the other sharks. Uh, I forget the exact mechanisms of how this works, um, but I think it's Felix is on a boat. And they have a water skiing line has been pulled all the way through the sewer for Bond to grab onto, so he hits the gas on the boat and Bond like water skis past all the danger license out of kill. the sewer. Yeah, again. license, to license kill again. Uh, to kill. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Largo a.k.a. Blofeld, in the no, Warhead good. script, uh is switching up the plan because he was foiled and now I think he's gonna go blow up the ice cap, so they have Damn to it find this other shark, and they have to get down to the Arcos, which is called the Lake Aquapolis and the Warhead but script. But not Atlantis. Not Atlantis. No, but it starts with an A. There's a fun, like, mini fight sort of North by Northwest, as you mentioned the last mm-hmm. episode, style, and fr- on the Statue of Liberty's face. Yeah,
1: or Men. Or Axeman, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and then it all ends with uh, Largo slash Blofeld Gets killed. He gets, I think, depressurized. And then it ends with Bond and Domino escaping in Largo's submarine, which is described as <laughs> luxuriously covered in opulent skins and furs <laughs> oh. with a mirror ceiling. Oh, my God. Keeping the British end up. <laughs> <to> love
3: <me. laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: The, the
0: end. And Steve loved it. Yes. Greatest Bond movie ever. <laughs> that <laughs> didn't had, have
2: to be made. I would have very much enjoyed I know. watching that I, movie. I was
3: telling, you know... Uh, you guys over there, when you walked in, I was like, wow, I didn't realize I wanted a Bond movie like this until I read this. So now I n- know why you guys were looking at me like that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like in the dark here. I'm reading this. I'm like, this is amazing. And now I'm finding out... This is why the show is so perfectly suited for
0: your (laughs) talent. You can find joy in the most outrageous, outlandish, most
1: ridiculous movies. But when you ask fans about this series, (laughs) the the opinions are all over the place. Mm -hmm. Your book is full of this. Mm -hmm. And I I actually find that really refreshing. There there are enough entries in this series, uh, uh, enough depictions of this character. Um, But the the analogy I thought of just recently, because I'm working on something that's kind of in the same wheelhouse... You know, if you think of the dumbest thing you can from the series, from from the series, you know, uh, Jaws, the the steel toothed assassin flapping his arms in the air as though that will keep him, you know, up, and then and then in, in From Russia with Love, you have a, a Russian agent telling Bond to get on his knees and lick his boot. I mean, the the disparity between those two tones. Um, and yet it's the same series. Uh, to me, the Bond movies are like a rubber band. Mm-hmm. Yes. How far can you stretch it before it breaks? Mm-hmm. And in the Broccoli Saltzman movies, it breaks every once in a while. Um, but this script, without having as, uh, as, as crazy and brilliant as those two guys you know, probably were, there's no steward on this script to me. I can't, mm-hmm. There's no Len Dayton in here. They just put it, they said, can we use your name? He said, yeah, yeah okay. Right. Um, It's like there's nobody watching the rubber band. No, I love what Fred says because it's a self-correcting franchise. It's usually at the end of the
0: actor's run because if you look at, uh, you know... Uh, Sean Connery it just gets more and more ridiculous uh, I, you know like I love You Only Love Twice 2 but it's kind of ridiculous right the reason it works is John Barry and Ken Adam and you know st- greatest and then, production design and, yeah, of all movies and you ever. get to Diamonds Are Forever and it's just it's ridiculous right mm-hmm. you know Roger Moore you know gets progressively radi- more ridiculously mm-hmm. you know sort of at the apex with Moonraker and then they self correct with Free Eyes Only and it stays mm-hmm. sort of grounded then it starts to build up again Octopussy is a little more crazy That's A View to is absurd you know it's mm-hmm. the plot of Superman the movie you know it's just awful Awful, you know, and 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 then, you know... Um, they keep keep hitting the reset. Button. And the same thing with Pierce. You start off with something great like Goldeneye, which is, mm-hmm. you know, fairly grounded for a Bond movie. And by the end, it's Die Another Day, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. the height of absurdity. The most ridiculous Bond movie since Moonraker, but not nearly as enjoyable. And then, uh, you know, with bon- and he's even true of Daniel, Daniel Craig. I don't know. I can't speak for No Time to Die, which I think will be more grounded. But Spectre Is ridiculous compared to Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. You know, and you even see it happening in the actual movie where it sort of starts off in Mexico and it's really interesting and it's sort of cool. And you think, oh, this is going to be a really great Bond movie. And by the end, you know, you have Franz Aberhauser saying, uh, you know, slash Blofeld, uh, you know, his brother that we knew nothing about, you (laughs) know, saying, I am the author of all your pain and I was behind Silva and I was behind (laughs) Eva Green and I was behind all these people. You know, it's like, what the fuck?
1: I'm making I'm ass- it, they're
4: making it up as they go along. I'm assuming since you didn't say Dalton, you thought those two were perfect. No, no.
0: I, 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 think, I think Living Daylights is a kind of more grounded, right? And, you know, Living Daylights is obviously the better movie. But, you know, License to Kill, License to Kill. there's so many problems with License to Kill. It's cheap and it's bad production values and it's bad acting, which doesn't mean – I mean, here we talked about it in probably three scenes that we talked about that are yeah. all great. So even a bad Bond movie is, is more enjoyable than, you know, a good something else in most cases. But I don't like it license to kill at
1: all. I think what you're talking about is a sort of a crisis of confidence because you see in the films when they feel because when they feel like they're maybe going astray then they'll course correct sometimes using other genres I mean mm-hmm. Live and Let die is the black exploitation sure. bond, and, and man gold gun is the is the kung, kung fu, fu bond yeah. Um, with, the la- with the last run of Craig's, I'm a huge fan of Casino Royale. I think it's one of the five greatest of the series. Agreed. But from there, for- and, I'm, and I like Quantum Solace quite a bit too, because it's kind of a sequel. It's its own little thing. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, an addendum mm-hmm. to Casino Royale. Epilogue to, or to appendix, me. Yeah. But what Sam Mendes brought, which I really, really take issue with, is, well, we're now in the Marvel age, And the Marvel ages, everything's connected and everybody has a history. And it's it's almost, and I love the Marvel films, but the notion of a soap opera, who is Bond? Where did he come from? Which is, to me, utterly anathema to Fleming's creation. He's cool and he's a spy. And you can have moments like in Quantum of Solace where he's, where somebody he fell in love with died and he's getting drunk because he's depressed. I mean, that whole movie, it's kind of a vendetta, but... You, you know, we don't need to know about his parents. We don't need. To, I mean, he and he and M have a very kind of strident relationship throughout these films. And then at the end, there's, you know, he, she dies and he and he and he cries and hugs her. And it's like, where did that come from? I maintain he's crying because he got her killed. They're searching for an emotional core where
4: there wasn't a lot of backstory, but on Her Majesty's uh, Secret Service, we had a
1: reason to love him. And it did it with such a light touch, and I maintain a good performance in the lead. I think so, too. I agree.
2: I think we're all actually—that was one, like, growing up, finding out that people, like, that that movie was like a joke and they hated him. When I finally saw it, I was like, oh, the movie's great and
1: he's great. I don't know what— Have you read Steven Soderbergh's essay? No. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He what is that? It. How can people find that? Uh, online. Steven Soderbergh on our Majesty Secret Service. Check it out. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, just it was
2: funny that you mentioned earlier that there's no Len Dayton in here, and they just put his name on it. I think it's very funny that in Warhead, which, as we've noted, is the exact same script in every single way, <laughs> on the cover of it, they just cross his name out, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> acknowledging oh my God, that's that I, I guess he didn't really work well, on wait, this. Wait, that's autographed,
4: right? Maybe Sean did it. <laughs> See if the pen is the same width. Yeah, check the pen. Uh, well, trouble. Steve, why don't
2: you tell us a little bit of what happened after, because this was kind of noted uh, in one of yeah. these episodes. I think it was in the previous one. That the main reason this like couldn't get made was that the rights they had actually only worked if you just did a straight up mm-hmm. remake of Thunderball and the fact that they were straying from it in some ways is part of what killed
3: it. Yeah, but but before that, before we get to, yeah, this would eventually turn into Never Say Never Again in 83. But before we get to that, I just wanted to quickly say that um, I found a, a write-up that um, in May 79, it said Warhead back on again with 007. And it was it was supposed to be. Um, I expect to start our Bond film Warhead in the Bahamas early next year. Sean Connery will star together with Orson Welles and Trevor Howard. Yeah, right. yeah. our budget will be twenty five point five million dollars, and Richard Attenborough was hoped to direct. Hmm. Was and rumored. you skipped
0: over the most important thing, which is now Sean Connery, the writer, has now committed to star. So mm-hmm. they've, they've, they've done it. This Trick script work. has yeah. Lord Sean Connery back to the fold as Bond, a role he swore he'd never play again. And he's back and ready to play James Bond. Mm-hmm. And then Richard Attenborough, who would go on to win an Oscar for Gandhi. freaking Gandhi, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who went from being like uh, badass Triple X and Great Escape
4: mm-hmm. to little Grandpa John Hammond in Jurassic Park is going <laughs> to direct.
1: And yes. worked with Connery and Bridget far
4: Right, right. Well, because yes. the myth of never say never again is that's what his wife said,
3: right? Yeah. yeah. yeah she said, yeah, uh, yeah. So we got Never Say Never Again in 83. And well, then I was
2: going to say, just tossing out, I okay. feel like this is a well-known thing. But for those who don't know, it's very fascinating the first time you hear that Spielberg had really wanted to do a James Bond movie in this time period. And famously, George Lucas was like, I have something better than James yeah. Bond. And that was Indiana Jones.
0: But preceding that, he actually did. And Broccoli and Saltzman said they're not going to hire a, a non american An American. Excuse me. Wow. <laughs> direct, So they turned down Spielberg. And then you, you, yeah, George Lucas says, "Don't fear, I got something better," which is this thing that Phil Kaufman
4: and him right. cooked up called Indiana Jones. And Warhead is still better than Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely, then, absolutely. And then, and then, Steve, you're right. <laughs> yes. And then, and then
3: again in '89, um, Warhead pops up back, and it's called. All right, I found one thing called Warhead Eight, and then after that, in <laughs> I don't really like Warhead Seven better. <laughs> <laughs> Seven, 7 80, four, three, two. And then in '89, um, Atomic warfare was announced and now Pierce Brosnan is Bond, and so MacQuarie is This going, is
2: before he was Bond, though, right? Oh. Yeah, no,
3: at this point in 89, um, oh, eighty nine Dalton, Dal- yeah. Dalton is Bond, and so for Atomic Warfare, he approached Pierce Brosnan, who did not get the role.
2: Because, again, for listeners who don't know, Bro- they'd wanted Brosnan. Brosnan actually signed to
1: play Bond mm. in 86 in Living Daylights, and then NBC, who made Remington Steele, said, oh, uh, well, we know we canceled you, but maybe we're going to keep you on the air. So that they exercised a, their option on him. That took him out of the loop until the next one. Yeah, because Broccoli didn't want a James Bond that you could watch on television every week.
0: So <laughs> they, they, they called up him and said, you're out, he was heartbroken, and they hired Timothy Dalton, who they had their eyes on and ever since uh, mm-hmm. Line of Winner, and um, bring him in. And then they had to retool the script because the script had kind of been written a little bit for Roger, a little bit for we don't know who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then Timothy Dalton comes in who says, I've read all the books many times and I'm very serious.
4: And
1: yeah. <laughs> <have> yeah. To-
4: <laughs> and made two masterpieces. Oh, <laughs> yes, you <do. laughs> God.
3: Apparently, (laughs) your definition
2: of masterpiece is... uh... (laughs) And (laughs) I guess uh... also for listeners who don't know, since we already brought it up, and it's this exact same thing, was that Tom Selleck was supposed to be Indiana Jones, but couldn't get out of
1: Magnum P.I. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
3: Thank God. And then March 31st, 1990, Atomic Warhead is announced. And again, Pierce Brosnan will star, and, um... I mean, he hadn't signed? I mean, had he... Oh, no, 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 no. He, um... No, they're they were going after. Yeah. I mean, according to San Francisco Chronicle, it says Pierce Brosnan will star. Weird. Yeah, um, I don't. Anyway, I, don't think yeah. that ever. I
1: love the poetic ambiguity of that yeah. title, "Atomic yeah. Warhead." Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> after atomic warfare,
2: very and then, existential.
1: It's the prequel to Atomic Blonde. <laughs> well, I was going to say, as long <laughs> as
2: before we move off of uh, the McClory uh, project, um, and this is probably. Better question for Dean Devlin once we inevitably have him on, but they were trying to do a Warhead movie, weren't they? Well, yes, I, I actually
0: talked to Dean about this, so I-, I will tell you exactly what happened. So this is a little bit later. This is, this is when John Callie goes to leaves United Artists, where he had done GoldenEye, and um, goes to um, Sony. And McClory makes a deal with Sony to sell his rights to Sony, his rights to the unproduced kind of Bond log lines, with the remake Thunderball and the rights to Spectre, and so now Sony is going to launch a competing James Bond franchise with MGM based on these rights that from the McClory rights. So at the time, Dean and Roland had just done, you know, obviously the huge success of Independence Day. They had a huge deal. They'd done Godzilla for Sony, and. Um, you know, they said, are you interested? And they're like, yeah, we're definitely interested. But they wanted to do it. They said, look, we're not going to compete with the UA version. They want to do his period. They want to set in the 60s and do James Bond as... Um you know, in, in the 60s and gritty and real and cool. And, and, it was you know, it was a great idea. And then there you know, huge litigation ensued, not with Dean and Roland, but with Sony and United Artists because there was a bre- breach of contract with John Calley who took proprietary information to Sony and whether or not these McClory rights would really allow you to do anything that strayed from Thunderball. And so, of course, as we know, that never ended up happening. And then it all got resolved many years later with sort of, MGM giving up their rights to Spider-Man and then mm-hmm. uh, the rights to Spectre eventually going to and Casino Royale and Never Say Never Again distribution rights going it's all that's all another episode <laughs> but but yeah. that was what Dean and Roland were going to do which was they proposed doing a, a period version of of Bond set in the sixties if Sony had gone ahead
3: uh, that would have been cool and then around that Bond scene, directed by a German <laughs> yeah you know and then I guess in the mid nineties before they were attached. there was Warhead 2000 A.D., and then when this was when Brosnan was Bond, and then they wanted to bring, Kevin wanted to bring Timothy Dalton back, and so... Great idea. Yeah, and then, as Mark said, there was all this litigation, and... But, you know, it's worth, I just want to say one thing, that McClory, even
0: after Never Say Never Again, never gave up on Bond, you know? This was sort of his white whale he chased till the end of his life. Um it's the only thing he has. He was obsessed with Bond. Yeah. And even on Never Say Never Again, when Jack Schwartzman took over and sort of untangled all this and allowed it to get made and financed at Warner Brothers through his company, Tollier Film, McClory was sort of shunted aside a little bit. He wasn't that involved with the making of Never Say Never Again. And I think he was a little insulted. So, you know, after that all went away, he was still obsessed with carrying moving forward and doing another James Bond movie the problem of course is that Sean Connery had been so alienated mm-hmm. by his experience on Never Say Never Again which was awful because Schwartzman you know it went way over budget the, the script was a total mess it were constant rewrites um, uh, you know uh, Kirchner was in many ways difficult um and uh, also leaned into the goofiness of it you know Kirshner liked you know was like what I liked about the kid, yeah.
2: admittedly it's why I liked the Roger it was Moore fun. movies yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I mean, it, it's 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 interesting to no, Those of us who are who are old enough to remember, 1983 was this crazy year. I mean, they were calling it the Battle of the Bonds because okay. Octopussy and Never Say Never Again mm-hmm. were on a collision course. You know, so you had Connery versus Moore, and this is the kind of stuff you argued about in the schoolyard. You know, it was like <laughs> who's better, Connery or Moore? And now we're going to see. It It was like a title match. It was like you know Ali versus you know whoever yeah. Ali
3: fights, right? So is that sports? I can't talk about that. But they kept trying to do because then again, in '97. Warhead 2000 AD was supposed to go up against The World Is Not Enough. And then... um, It would have won that time. 1998, another announcement, Sean Connery is returning as 007 in Doomsday 2000. And and in that one, it was Wesley Snipes would play Largo. And Gwyneth Mm -hmm. Paltrow was touted as Domino. I think that was mostly rumored. And then we have another... We have Warhead 2001 in 1999... And that one was going to be trapped in a deadly confrontation in their lair under the Great Barrier Reef. There was a huge article in Daily Variety about that one. And then the very last one was that Brosnan was supposed to come back as Bond in 2006. And at that point, they already scrapped Warhead 2001. And a couple of months later, McClory died. And that seems to be the end of (laughs) all the the warheads. Was he
4: buried at sea? He should I have do not, I do not know. Put
2: inside and a then, robot shark 2013 <laughs> sent into the sewers.
3: 2013, 007 producers acquire Blofeld rights. Yeah, and I guess that brings us up.
2: Well, do any of you guys know, while well, we still thankfully have a little bit of time left, because uh, I wasn't able to find that much about it, and that was the third third timothy dalton mm-hmm. movie mm. uh because i think i i think my understanding all growing up always was that they didn't like timothy dalton and like didn't want to do more of him but really yeah. it was like he didn't want to come choice. back
1: there yeah. was yeah. a script no, written for a third third one.
2: does anyone yeah. know the story yes. of that
1: script? So you want
0: to go for, you're the expert okay well i will first of all I, one of the things that i learned in writing the book because i always heard that story too yeah. that he, you know de- timothy dalton gracefully bowed out you know which is not true.
2: Oh, okay. um, <laughs>
0: you know, a lot of people know after license to kill was a huge bomb at the box office it did not do well. Um, and, uh, The studio wasn't sure what the future bond was and they got involved in all this litigation because the studio was bought by a guy named Giancarlo Peretti who was trying to sell off the the bond uh, TV rights at at bargain basement prices to finance his acquisition. Anyway, the short version of this is uh, there was litigation and there was no bond movie made for a bunch of years. Finally, they come out of litigation and now they're going to make a movie. UA isn't even sure that there's value to Bond anymore, that it's your father's franchise, the kids don't even know what it is. Is anyone going to see it? License to kill, did no business, maybe it, the time has passed for Bond. So finally they decide, okay, well, we're going to try and do it, but we're going to do it cheap, relatively cheap, $50 million, right? And, uh, but the condition that the studio had is, Timothy's gone. And the Broccoli's were like, no, we're loyal to Timothy. Timothy's our guy. There was a contentious meeting between Broccoli and Wilson and, and Cubby Broccoli, who was still alive, and the studio. And they basically says, if you want to do a Bond movie, he's gone and Pierce is in. And they all look to Cubby Broccoli because it's ultimately a decision. He says, OK, we're going with Pierce. And then mm-hmm. they basically gave Timothy, you know, being the class act that they were, said, you retire from the role publicly so we don't have to say you were fired. And so Timothy says, yeah, I'm done. I've said all oh, I have to say with this character after two terrible movies. And, uh, <laughs> no, and do you think they
4: said that because they were afraid of how good he was? Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a real roller coaster. So, I heard he but, was fired, <laughs> then I heard he quit. But wasn't there also a
1: rights again. issue uh, with UA and all that Ooh, stuff af, after License to Kill? Because there was a long time between License to Kill and even the it, development it, of the third uh, Timothy Dalton. Well, it was, yeah, because,
0: I mean, there was the litigation going on you know where things would fall and whether the studio would pay for it, but then they start to develop because in the late '80s they're developing. First, they go to Steven D'Souza, who's dying to do it after the success of Die Hard, and they don't even know what the future of the franchise is going to be. But they know Die Hard's <laughs> big, Leave the Weapons big, mm-hmm. you know, and they're talking about people like Ted Kotcheff, who did First Blood, to direct, and a couple other people. A Canadian, um, just, you know, they yeah, <laughs> Canadian, right? You know, they'd been talking to you know John Landis about doing License to Kill, that you know never I didn't panned know that. out. Yeah,
1: don't love me I didn't
0: know and uh, so there's a lot of interesting things going on but they bring in Alphonse Ruggerio, um Miami Vice from Miami Vice and also from Wise Guy um, and uh, he starts developing and ultimately it they decide like we've talked about before to go bigger and this is gonna be his spy love me you know after mm. two sort of grounded more realistic movies they're gonna go big you know and and get get away from the sort of brooding, you know, James Bond, Bond, James Bond. You know, uh, and go back to the sort of bigger thing. So it's going to be set in Hong Kong, and um, they, they're, they're, you know, there's like henchmen. There's like you know, big, bigger, larger than life henchmen. Uh, somehow, uh, Walt Disney Imagineering was involved. That was going to do animatronics. It might have had something to do with robots. I don't really remember. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, again, it's sort of their attempt to do Spy Love Me. Because a lot of people say Roger Moore didn't find Bond until Spy Love Me. In a way, you know, most people consider Goldfinger, the third movie, the best of the Sean Connerys. Mm-hmm. So it's like this was going to be Timothy Dalton's big movie. And they were going to throw a lot of resources at it, make it big. Ultimately, you know, it doesn't happen that way. But there was there was going to be like a huge action set piece at the Hoover Dam, you know, which was going to, you know, and, and like all these big action you know, things that they didn't have in the previous movies, you know, and, and uh, so, and part of it was the studio always wants them to be in America, they feel the American audience needs to see stuff in America, <laughs> which is like ludicrous, um, and and then, you know, kind of just sort of fizzles out, and, um, you know, until they start developing Goldeneye, um, and even that went through a bunch of iterations with Michael France that bear no resemblance to ultimately what is the final movie.
3: Oh, man, we missed out on a good Dalton movie. <laughs>
2: another good one I know another good one <laughs> and will we ever get With more our Tarantino stuff. Bond or a Tarantino Star Trek we keep getting these teased out there well Tarantino he keeps saying, saying one more 13. and
1: done and it's like well <laughs> you can't okay and a Tarantino <laughs> but, Halloween but already. Soderbergh did the same thing he, he, he retired and then he came back and made a couple of TV series and a bunch of movies So
4: I'm interested in Tarantino Star Trek because he doesn't do special effects so mm. a Star Trek without special effects would be Back to its roots a little bit.
2: What are you looking for there? I'm actually looking
4: for the description in here of this uh, this
0: Bond um, oh, okay. because it's, you know, I should at least, we should at least uh, mention what it was because this is a brief description. And again, I, I don't, here, this is, I'll read you. It's just a paragraph. I know this is Steve's job, but I'll read it in this case. <laughs> the proposed Bond 17 film, which was to be set in Hong Kong and featured uh, uh, animatronic creations from the Walt Disney Imagineers, would have had set pieces that reportedly include a monster truck chase through Las Vegas, a love scene on Whitewater Rapids, and a raid <laughs> on a secret arms cachet inside the Hoover Dam. Additionally, Bond would encounter an array of characters, including a gay assistant called Jennings, a formidable henchman named Rodan, eh, Rodin, uh, Rodin, and a contemporary in the Hong Kong Secret Service, Denholm Crisp. As they had in the <laughs> past, when faced with diminishing box office, the producers returned to the familiar tropes, which had energized their most successful outings. So, um, oh yeah, and here, I love this is the end of the. So, despite all the rumors, writer-producer Michael G. Wilson was willing to assure fans and the authors at the time that there remained only one certainty. The only absolute tangible is that Timothy Dalton will be back as James Bond. <laughs> so that was it. Now, um, it's worth mentioning that, you know, you, you missed one of the uh, Unmade Bonds, which is fascinating. They had considered doing a Bond prequel uh, for Living Daylights, which was going to be Richard Burton uh, as the man who sort of um, the agent that a young James Bond looked up to and sort of partnered with him on his first mission in China. And... Um, uh, ultimately, by the end, he becomes 007 after his mentor is is, is killed. And uh, it was Albert Broccoli who put the kibosh on that, who basically says nobody wants to see a James Bond not being James Bond, you know, who, mm. who who doesn't have the abilities yet, who isn't the womanizer, who isn't the killer, who isn't the thing. You know, nobody wants to see amateur James Bond amateur hour.
1: But everybody wants to see him go to his parents' house. Yeah. <laughs> set up a Home Alone traps for
2: the bad guys.
1: It's that, m- <laughs> that he could have been backed up by space marines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could have been backed up by his former uh, um, uh, father-in-law's demolition crew. Yeah. Yeah. He's backed up by an old man with a musket. He doesn't even Could bring the robot a sharks. With him. Josh, <laughs>
4: you and I know what happens to James Bond when he's growing up because we saw James Bond Jr.
2: Yes, <laughs> so
0: <laughs> funny. You
4: should talk that era is also
0: characterized mm-hmm. by the release of James Bond Jr. Partially, mm-hmm. it was to hold on to the rights when all this litigation was happening. They wanted to have something in production, so they produced this god awful animated series called mm-hmm. J- James Bond
3: Jr. And a crazy batch of video games called James Pond about a fish. <sighs> I mean, that Is that a frog? It's a fish. It's a fish. It was Sega Masters and season. Who
0: was in to skill.
2: I think he's <laughs> a tadpole. Maybe
0: <laughs> <laughs> you had an
3: odd job in the
0: animated series uh, yeah. Jaws. It, I, you know, it, you probably can find it bootlegged somewhere at San Diego Comic Con because it's impossible to find elsewhere. Oh, James they John had action Jr.
3: figures and stuff. I remember as a kid.
0: Yeah, I mean I remember there was a big full page ad variety, you know, announcing James Bond Jr., you know. It's like but this is right after what, like Last Crusade where you see, you know, Indiana Jones, how Indiana Jones became Indiana Jones, you know, River Phoenix. So
2: And young Sherlock Holmes, let's not forget. Oh,
0: Less Not, which is a good movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. do you like Barry Levinson's young Sherlock Holmes? I do. Yeah,
2: I do too. Great score. Give I... me nightmares when I was a kid. Yeah, it's awesome. Great Bruce uh, Brown score. Yeah. It's no license. Great to kill. effects too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, robot sharks, you guys. We did. Robot sharks. Uh, thank you so much to our guests, Fred, Henry, and Mark. Thank you. Um, as we learned last time, you can't find Fred anywhere. You can. I, you, I, do. On,
1: I have a Fred Decker fan page on uh, Facebook. On Facebook.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, he posts fun things.
1: Yeah,
2: Mark Altman's book
1: is the
3: size of a Bible. I think it's what Kathy Bates kills James Con with in Misery. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, Spoiler it's, alert. Yeah, you got to definitely pick this book up. It's it's beautiful. And and if if you, it is
1: the James Bond Bible. Yeah.
0: And if you have health problems, you can get the digital version or the audiobook <laughs> if you can't lift the hardcover. So <laughs> yeah. um, those are available. And I'm um, at Mark A. Altman. And I have to say, you know, this was great. We did two episodes. There's probably a third or fourth because there's a bunch of Bond stuff um, throughout the franchise that never got made. A lot of other roads not taken. The prequel idea rears its old ugly head a couple of times. Um, later on, there are a couple of Bond uh, explorations. I think after No Time to Die opens, you know, it'll be interesting to examine how that script evolved, mm-hmm. you know, from originally from being sort of an honor match Secret Service kind of a redux to what it you know eventually becomes. Um, well, it'll is, be
2: a good excuse when the paperback of the book yeah. comes <laughs> <out>. <laughs> 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 Have back, back on. A Uh, and where can they find you? I'm um, at Mark
0: A. Altman on Twitter and Instagram. And the book is Nobody Does It What? Yeah, Nobody Does It Better, <laughs> just like the Carly Simon <laughs> song. It sounds better than
4: Live and Let Die. That wouldn't be a good book title.
2: Uh, Henry, where can they find you?
4: Uh, Twitter and Instagram at hdilla.
2: And you can find us at Best Movies Never Made on Instagram and at Never Made Film on Twitter. Uh, and normally this is where I talk about our sistered podcast, but we have Mark here. Why don't you tell us about the 4:30 movie ah, and yes. Glorious Trexburg?
1: Well, you know, and in
0: fact, we'll be talking about James Bond on the 4:30 movie we did uh, recently uh, uh, 007, Double 00- Wait, Six Degrees of uh, 007, where we talk, program, a theme, uh, curate a theme week of uh, James Bond's in other movies that aren't James Bond movies. So it's Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton <laughs> in some of their best non James Bond roles. And last year we did Seven Days of 007. But on the 430 movie, which comes out every Friday, we curate fantasy theme weeks of classic movies. And on Inglorious Trek we talk about what else? Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah.
2: So. Fred's been on that, right? F- Fred no, uh, Fred no? hasn't. Fred was We've talked uh, about Fred. Huh?
3: I mean, we've talked about Fred, yes, uh, but I don't think Fred's ever been on the show. Did you bring up Lazenby? and uh never Lazenby? Lazen... What's his George name? George Lazenby? Yeah, did you bring him up in that John Stamos movie, Never Too Young to Die? No, I
0: prefer him in The Return of the Man from Uncle. Ah, okay. <laughs> Where he plays the same role. <laughs> he not, plays JV James <laughs> JV, yeah, that's right. That's I like right. to
3: destroy names.
0: <laughs> but we all love Automatic City service. We can agree on that, can't we? <laughs> uh
2: yes. And I am horrible at explaining it. Can you explain to people how they can watch our podcast? You're horrible at explaining like it? I am.
0: Okay. <laughs> let me let me take a crack at this. <laughs> so you can watch all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts, including Best Newies Never Made, Inglorious Trexpurse, the 43rd movie, the new Two On Who, a Doctor Who podcast, Rebel and the Rogue, and other shows on the Electric Now channel. You can watch that by downloading Stir, Zumo, or Distro TV apps and go to Electric Now soon to be joined by the Electric Now Channel app which you'll be able to download from your favorite app store and watch any episode on demand and we'll let you know when that app is available more best movies never made than you could ever dream of
2: You want to see our beautiful faces Uh.
0: (laughs) well if you'd rather you can look at the new book nobody does it
2: better (laughs) Um, all right we also want to give a special thanks to bill ritter and everyone here at electric surge network including our producers dean devlin and mark a altman hey
0: thanks Hey. Uh,
2: hey bill ritter what's your favorite bond movie did Bill leave?
0: Bill's left the booth. He's there. Oh, my God. What's going on? We us. call
4: this dead air. I don't
1: know. I'm going to say Thunderball because my wife's friend, Luciana. Correct. Oh, Ooh. man. I wish Luciana
0: was my friend. Hey, Natalie, what's your favorite Bond movie? Uh, Casino
1: Royale.
0: Casino Royale. Good, good choice.
2: choice. The Woody Allen version, I assume? 1959. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So until next time, this is...
3: Steven Scarlotta. And I'm
2: Josh Miller saying we won't see you at the movies.